0: This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from the heart of Manhattan and Rockefeller Center on Newsstand Studios. Joined as usual, but not in the studio. She's uh, probably chilling in, uh, on the coast of Connecticut. De Hammer lopez how you doing? Doing all right? Hi. Yeah? I'm not feeling good. You're not feeling? Uh oh, that's too bad. Quinn will not be with us today because he is also not feeling well. That's unfortunate. But we do have Jackie Molecules in uh, California. How you doing?
1: I'm good. Yeah? Good, fresh off my backpacking trip.
0: Oh, oh yeah! We're gonna talk about. It. Remember, we're going through it now. We introduce a special guest, and then we shoot the breeze. Yes, right. And then we shoot the breeze. And then we shoot the breeze. <laughs> uh, rocking the panels here. We have Joe Hazen, as usual. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing well. You're looking good. Yeah, really. I'm not looking that sweaty either today. Really? Yeah. That's bizarre. He was when he showed up. Oh, okay. He's, well, he's you know, yeah, I didn't know if you know, if you don't know, I just got to tell you, but the AC is down today. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, I used a special trick. I kept my shirt unbuttoned on the bike up here and then buttoned it when I got close. Maybe that's what it is. Oh, the Hasidics don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and of course, we got uh, John. How you doing?
1: Doing great, thanks. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Peachy, peachy. yeah.
0: Oh, you're doing as great uh, as, as you were willing to talk about on the air.
1: I mean, there's water dripping in, in the kitchen at the restaurant right now, and it's, yeah, yeah. it's stressful. But yeah, yeah there's yeah. nothing I can do. So, no point in being there. I'm not a plumber. All right. So, oh,
0: well, quesira, okay, Well, I
1: don't know. That's what the owner reminded me. I was like, do I need to bail on the radio show to go deal with this? And he was like, no, there's nothing you can do. And he's like, you're, you're right. So, wow.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, All right. I like that. And uh, before, I, I apologize. We shot the breeze prior. Right. Uh, our special guest today. I'm super excited. I've only uh, met once, uh, but she has a new book out. It's uh, Rose Levy Berenbaum, the uh, author of all the cookbooks, <laughs> like uh, like all any cookbook <laughs> with the, with the word Bible attached to it. That's worth reading. Uh, you've written. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on.
1: Well, thank you. And thank you for adding that's worth reading. Because since the first cake Bible, since the first Bible, there have been bagel Bibles. Been, everybody took that name because they thought that was the secret for success.
0: Well, I mean, it turns out you also have to write uh, the book that's worthy of the name uh, Bible. It's also like when people say the complete X, Y, or Z, and, and you can lift it, you're like, eh, not really, though. You know what I mean? Like the complete whatever it is. Um, but I mean, I think, uh, you know, for those that, for those that don't know your work already, where have you been and, uh, you know, but you're well known for, um, being thorough and exhaustive and also, but never exhausting and, uh, always, uh, writing a lot of like very detailed instructions and testing your recipes. Would you say it's accurate?
1: I would say that I would add reliable Because that's what people keep saying. They know that when they do a recipe, it's going to work. And you can imagine the pressure of having that name Bible and having to live up to it. I dictated the entire manuscript into a tape recorder and played it back against the first version to make sure that there wasn't a single mistake in it. And there wasn't.
0: Wow. So what word does your dictation software get wrong the most?
1: Well, I should be using dictation, but I tend to, <laughs> I'm a typist. I type 180 words a minute. It's very hard to use dictation. Oh why? How many things do you, does, does, I mean, dictation gets a lot of things wrong. So that's why I steer away from it. But the older I get, the more I think, I better preserve my fingers. Typing like that can really wear you out.
0: Well, our, our mutual friend, Harold McGee, uses <laughs> dictation software. I believe he uses whatever one is called, dragon something, dragon, whatever it is, dragon stone, dragon, whatever it is.
1: That's what yeah, he uses. you know, no, it's Dragon. My my late husband designed the entire program and vocabulary for radiology, and he kept encouraging me to use it, and I did. But now on Word and with the Mac, you can't. It's not compatible, and their dictation you can't teach really, so it's not quite as good. But what I do is I dict I don't dictate. I type, and then I read out loud, and that makes a huge difference. My husband, Woody, and I read back and forth. And when you dictate, you speak differently from how when you type. But the combination, I think, is the best of all.
0: Huh? And let me ask you this. What uh, what program do you like to type into these days? I'm using Word. Ah, yeah, me too, but everyone hates it. That's what works for me. So and when you type I know, I don't understand why. They all hate everyone hates yeah. it. I don't know why, whether it's because like people are doing more collaborative work now and Word sucks for collaborative work. But like McGee uses Scrivener, yeah. right? But just I don't know, I can't be bothered to use some sort of specialty software. You know what I'm saying?
1: I do, and especially when you're used to something. I mean, I've written thirteen books on this word. And by the way, I just saw how Last week was when he, I was doing a book event at Omnivore, and he stopped in because he lives right nearby to say hello. There's a really nice picture on social media that I it put. It's so great to see him.
0: Yeah, can I, can I tell you an embarrassing fact? So we, I, all
1: three of us have in common. I've never, yes, yeah, mm-hmm. right, I've never been to
0: Omnivore books. How embarrassing is that?
1: <gasps> well, are you on the East Coast?
0: Yes, but I mean, I, it's not like I've never or, been to the West Coast.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no, I'm, I didn't mean to imply that. I mean, yeah. it would be really criminal if you lived here and never went yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, it would yeah. Would make sense.
0: Your so, book is there, isn't it? Uh, I'll bet your book is know. there. So, so, John and I both felt terrible because we'd also, until last year, never been to Bonnie Slotnick's.
1: Slotnick, well, wow, that too.
0: What yeah. about kitchen arts and letters? All the time, yeah. Matt Matt comes on the arts. Matt comes on the mm. show. Uh, I don't know, once every other month or so. He's our he's our current. We used to have a segment called Classics in the Field where we would uh, go over. You know, uh, you know, we actually we've mostly chose classics that people don't read as much anymore. So your books haven't come up. <laughs> Because <laughs> most people still read them, but uh, you know, th- th- things, uh, things like that. By the way, uh, for anyone listening on Patreon, call your questions to 917 410 1507. That's 917 410 1507. And John, why like, you tell them how to become a Patreon member?
1: Patreon.com slash cooking issues. Go there. To... Oh, go for it, Rose. Oh, I was just going to say that, uh, speaking of classics, we're working right now on the complete new edition and revision of the Cake Bible for its 35th anniversary. Ooh. It's now 34th anniversary. <sighs> so, yes, it's, it's, so much has changed in 30 years, even. so. And I, it was 40 years ago I started writing it. So you can imagine the work it is, but it's worth it. So we listen, have, to have all new pictures, everything, but it'll be larger,
0: right? But like, I mean, are you allowed? Yep. Are you allowed to say that? Because then people are going to wait to buy the current book. Is you're eating into your own royalties here? Because they can buy it and be like, oh no, and then they have to buy it right again. You know.
1: No, we talked about that, but right. actually, there a lot of things that won't be in the new book that were in the old book, and a lot of people are saying, well, the two are going to be side by side, so I would encourage people to get it right away before it goes out of print,
0: but, ah. but there'll be
1: a transition. I'm so, sure it'll be around for a while.
0: So give us a little taste. When you say things have changed, other than the ovens are different and slash probably better, or at least different and more reproducible in some ways, what else? what else do you think has changed?
1: I think what I'm most proud of, and I wrote an article for the LA Times syndicate about 25 years ago. It was called "Way to Bake." I think over 90% of baking books now are weighing, and the difference now between the original version and this one is that we've gotten rid of ounces completely. That was always so confusing because mm. liquid ounces and weight ounces are not are not the same. Yeah. And so it's going to be a cleaner design, and since it'll be wider, we can we don't have to have the sidebar. We can have a more easy-to-follow kind of um, design. Yeah. But that's just one thing. The Ingredients have changed. The proportion of yolk to white in an egg has shrunk because they're using younger laying hens, and that makes a huge difference, say, in a Genoise, which needs the egg yolk and they aren't separated. So we're actually separating all the eggs. Uh, flour, they now have come up with what they call an unbleached cake flour, and it doesn't work for many of the cakes. So I was able to, in the current printing, actually add the word bleached in front of mm. everyone, but I never I never had to write bleached cake flour because the only cake flour that existed was bleached.
0: Right. Well, I, had so was with, uh, uh, I had a conversation with someone at uh, King Arthur about this, and I asked them what they add to their cake flour to mimic the chlorination, which is what you need to keep the high-ratio cakes up, you know, obviously. Mm-hmm. And they add... So- I think they add some sort of... Um, Pre gelatinized wheat starch to it because they do add wheat starch to it. And I was, but you don't think it's effective enough or is it brand by brand?
1: No, as soon as they came out with the latest version, I asked them to send it to me and I was so disappointed. It looked like nothing. And I love King Arthur flour, but not the cake flour. It doesn't, the cake doesn't look like anything like it is on the box, even though I followed the instructions the way I'd expect people to follow mine. But what I advise them to do is what they do in England. And that's they heat treat the flour, and that's almost identical to the bleaching. The only difference is a slight difference in flavor because chlorine bleach gives a kind of floral quality. But the point is, it has that fine texture, which it does not have an unbleached flour. Yeah, so- I've really thoroughly investigated this because the entire British Commonwealth can't use bleached flour. So it was someone named Kate Colgic in the UK in, in Devon, England, who actually tried the heat treatment that they do in industry and found that it worked. And I actually went to, with her. I went to work with her in England to see the difference between our flour and their flour. So that was a wonderful thing because people all over the world then were able to make cakes that, that rose to the same height and had the same fine texture. So, I call it cake flour.
0: So what's the, uh, what's the procedure then for the, for the bake out?
1: Well, I have actually a chapter in all of my books since the baking, including the Baking Bible. Um, what you do is I can't tell you exactly how long, but you microwave it for a few minutes, and and she says it's best to let it sit overnight because it gets slightly loses some of its moisture, but it still would work. And then it's just like another flour, like a bleached cake flour.
0: Huh, interesting. Do some Very research. simple. I will do some. Mm-hmm. I will do some research.
1: Well, she was wondering why her cakes came out. So much lower than mine. And then she started checking what they do in industry because the cakes that you purchase commercially were fine. And she found that that's what they do. They heat treat. And I think they've made it available now to the consumer in England, which huh. is wonderful.
0: I wonder why they can't use chlorine over there. Why one of those EU, well, it's not EU anymore, but. Uh.
1: Well, you know, our USDA is so strict that you would think that they wouldn't allow it if something was bad. And, and chlorine dissipates. So I don't really understand, but I don't get into the politics of it. I just yeah. do what works, and, and I'm glad that we can still have it.
0: I mean, it's added to half of our water supplies. I think the issue Good is point. yeah. I think that the uh, the issue is that there's such a revulsion against. Um, the level of intervention in something like flour and how far it's gotten away from uh, you know wheat as a as a mm. as a thing that they you know they're throwing away the baby with the bathwater and I would bet that ninety nine out of a hundred people don't understand that the the bleaching isn't just about because there's there's other ways of bleaching as well right that don't that don't have the effect that you and I want right it's chlorine bleach specifically isn't just about making the flour white it's about it's about increasing its uh, ability to uh, hold water so that you can do a high ratio cake. Right. So because
1: True, I see ingredients,
0: right. So because I see it as a functional mm-hmm. ingredient, it, there's nothing at all bad about it. But whereas people see it as like, Oh, white is bad flour, Therefore, if it's whiter, it's more bad. I think that's what it's from. I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, and also there's a whole political issue of GMO, like current editor wouldn't even allow to put GMO. I had to say, um, what is the other word when something is oh, organic for these cornstarch? And actually, Runfruit is not organic, it's GMO, and that's why it works better than the Genoise. It makes it the finer texture. Mm-hmm. Using the right amount of egg yolks and the non GMO cornstarch, you get the finest texture. And this all began because somebody wrote to me saying, well, all of a sudden her Genoise was coarse and it never had been. And I thought, okay, well, I don't know what she's doing, but how can I know? And then it happened to me on a 12-inch wedding cake, Shen was, and that's when I got in deep and found out it was the lack of the full amount of the egg yolk and it was using non-GMO cornstarch that would make, it, that would help. Well, so what's a,
0: I wonder, I'd have to look at it, what the difference in the starch, because also that's another thing nobody really thinks about is the actual structure of starch granules being different from starch to starch, you know what I mean? It's like something that people, mm-hmm. I don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. Every, Yeah, this is the thing. And the baking powder, the aluminum baking powder, you might not notice in a cake, but in a pie crust, if you use aluminum-based baking powder, which is more commonly available, it gives a nasty taste. I remember when we were doing a photo shoot for the Pastry Bible and Maria Guarnaschelle, said, this tastes awful. And I said, well, I asked Roscoe Betzel, who was the stylist, I said, what, what kind of baking powder did you use? And he said, just the regular one, Argo, whatever it is. And I said, that's it. And in a cookie you can really taste that huh. because there's so little else going on. With a cake, there's so many elements. Maybe you can get away with it, but not with cookie or pie crust.
0: So speaking of cookies. And a lot of people
1: don't even use baking powder.
0: Speaking of cookies. And a, do, and a
1: pie crust because.
0: Yeah, I don't yeah. use it either. Ahead, you, use it? you You like it? I don't, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't really, I don't use it much. I try to do everything to keep it as, as, you know, not puffy as possible. I dock the heck out of my, when I blind bake, I don't, oh. you know, I dock the hell out of it. So that it doesn't puff up. Because I don't
1: use pie weights.
0: I hate pie weights. I hate them.
1: I don't do that. Well, yes and no. I sometimes use pie weights. Because I don't want... For example, making a pecan pie, I don't want to have any holes that may not seal up. Because they'll stick ruthlessly to the bottom of the pan. The plate. But yes, but with cookies, in order to keep them from puffing up, (laughs) and Hal would agree, I'm Harold McGee, that if you use... Baking, if you use um, unbleached flour, then it ties up more of the water and doesn't puff as much and also doesn't spread as much. And those I mean, cookies are very simple, but there's so few ingredients. But to understand what the different ones do it gives you control to get what you want. And a lot of people say, well, I want crunchy, I want flat, I want puffy. This is how you get it by this few simple ingredients and how you use them. Like baking soda, it will make the cookies brown more and more quickly. It doesn't just Take away acidity if you're using brown sugar. It's also used for browning. So there are a lot of interesting things to know. And you know, the thing is, people say cookies are so easy, and they are, except that compared to a cake, if you're making one batter, you just put it in the pan and it bakes. But if you're making cookies, you have to shape at least 12. (laughs) So it's a little bit more labor intensive, but they are more forgiving. Like you can take a pinch of dough off of it, the batch, and see. Is it spreading too much? Do I maybe need to add some more flour? It's too sticky. Or it's not sweet enough. I can knead in more sugar. Can't do that with a pie crust. It would become a cardboard pie crust.
0: Going back to leaveners and the British, you ever play around with uh, ammonia-based leaveners in those thin cookies that they bake out dry so you can't smell the ammonia anymore? I've never tried it.
1: I did try it once, and I didn't, wasn't impressed with it. I'd rather use something that... <clears throat> Well, it was more like baking powder, baking soda, where the combination is already done for you. I saw no difference. No benefit. And I have a lot of really skinny cookies in the cookie Bible.
0: Yeah, I wonder why they use it over there. Was it cheaper? Is it just what they're used to? Like, I never understood why bother getting into something that if you don't fully bake it out, it makes everything unpalatable. I never understood it.
1: Really? Yeah. I yeah, understand. I didn't either, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they didn't ha- They didn't have availability of the other stuff, you know? Maybe. Uh, and also, it doesn't have a shelf life the way baking powder does.
0: Really? I, I guess it probably would, because it's volatile, right? So it'll go off. I mean, literally, go off. Um, it
1: will but if, it's not, if it's not stored, but baking powder, even if you store it tightly is after a year, that's why it was mine. We're we'll stopping as effective.
0: Well, one of the things you write in the cookie Bible is that, uh, is that the, the volume-to-weight ratio of baking powder is very dependent on your humidity.
1: I write that you did. I absolutely don't remember that. Yes, you did. Because I, these days humidity is pretty well controlled in most places.
0: That's true. I mean, I,
1: I find here I am. Yeah.
0: What's your humidity? What's like my average humidity is a lot lower than I thought because I have the air conditioner on in the summer, so my average humidity in my house is a lot lower than I would have expected, and my flowers therefore are a lot drier. That's what I I like them, You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and because mm-hmm. I'm writing a book now, um, well, supposedly, and uh, you know, I was kind of really worried about water in my dry ingredients, like how much moisture is there. So, you know, I did a pretty careful measurement of, uh, you know, with very calibrated humidities and it's quite a huge difference. And my house, but then my house was a lot drier than I thought it was. Do you find that the average person's house is drier than they think it is?
1: Well, you know, ThermoWorks now—they have this wonderful ThermoPen that is accurate to within a second. They also now have something that will measure humidity. But I don't go around to people's houses taking the humidity level, mm-hmm. <laughs> although it's tempting sometimes. But I've worked, in, you know, all over the country. And I have not found any difference really in how things work other than meringue. If it's really humid, there could be a problem with meringue. But that's something also, that is, in addition to being proud of having converted people to weights over volume, is that also uh, using the right amount of baking of cream of tartar with egg whites, you'll never dry out the egg whites. You know, All the instructions say, beat until stiff but not dry, and if you dry them out, they break down so that you lose all your aeration in the, like an angel food or chiffon. But if you use an eighth of a teaspoon of cream of tartar, which is an acid, uh, that, uh, to one egg white, which normally had been 30 grams or uh, two tablespoons, each can beat till the cows come home, well, the cows may not come home in a half hour, but I've beaten as long as a half an hour, and it never breaks down. The thing is that if you don 't weigh or at least take the volume you 're now getting more yolk or more white because if there's less yolk, that means there 's more white, you know so that 's one of the things that 's really invaluable to know because it makes a big difference.
0: And why do you prefer cream, of, cream of tartar? of tartar
1: right, right.
0: Why do you prefer cream of mm-hmm. uh, tartar as opposed to other acids, let's say lemon juice, just because it has less of a flavor impact, or easier to dose for you, or
1: all the no, not that it's easier to dose, but that it's the right level of acidity, and it's just as natural. It's a byproduct of the winemaking industry. Well,
0: I'm, for it. I'm for it. It's not an unnatural
1: kind of chemical. Yeah, yeah. It's just it works, and I've found that it never gets. Old. In, other, in other words, it, it doesn't dissipate.
0: but you've also lemon s-
1: juice would probably work too, but you're yeah. right. it would give it flavor. Oh. I don't necessarily want
0: that. And you wrote that though if you add either too little or too much, it doesn't stabilize it. like there's a very sharp kind of peak of stabilization that's right around that level of that level of, um, that level of uh, added acid, correct?
1: Well, this is the thing I tested and I kept increasing it little by little, and at a certain point it went the other direction and it didn't help. But that's another issue is that no two sets of baking, of measuring spoons is the same. So if you have to have a little bit of leeway. Now, the one thing that really changes the weight by measuring is baking powder, I've discovered. And the only way you can get an actual total standard is either by weighing or by sifting it into the spoon, and then it's always the same. But salt is always six grams per teaspoon. Um, baking soda is always the same, 5.5. But baking powder varies. Uh, and it's not because it settles. I don't, maybe it does. I just have never gotten to the bottom of it. What, and uh, that's why I have a really fine scale for weighing. At what, least I uh, can set the standard.
0: You know, what, what, brand, uh, what brand of salt do you use, by the way? What's your go-to salt?
1: Well, I'm glad you asked me that because I can never understand why people would use kosher salt for baking. I, I use a fine sea salt. I always say, "Well, you're not closer to God because you're using kosher salt." You know, right. I mean, it's great for <laughs> you're salting chicken or meat, but not for baking. I don't. I use it. And I use Balan, but any fine salt. Right,
0: I yeah. use uh, I use it for everything because it's what I have. You know what I mean? I only stock kind Uh. of finishing salts and, and diamond kosher, but, um, but I get your point. And so, because also like on a stovetop kosher is so much easier. I mean, I, I I get your point with baking, but you know, on a stovetop kosher is so much easier to dose than, um, you know, if you're just doing it by hand, you know what I'm saying? Um, exactly. Right. So what I do is I always dissolve my salt in the liquids, and not in, and I never put the salt in with the solids. I guess that's the way I get around it. But it oh, would that's be,
1: brilliant. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess otherwise, I was going to say it'd be hard to distribute evenly. But d- d- dissolving it in the liquid is perfect solution. Yeah,
0: that way I don't I'm have impressed.
1: Stuff. I hadn't thought
0: of it. Don't, well, you know who thought of it is uh, Mon, uh is uh Monroe Boston Strauss. Uh, yeah. The uh who I
1: when, oh I, a pie marches on.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want
1: to hear something really funny about our mutual friend, Harold McGee? Sure. I wrote to thank him some years back about thanking him for coming up with a wonderful technique of rolling the the butter with the flour in a seal bag to flatten it out to make pie crust more flaky, which works beautifully. And you know what he wrote back? You were the one who taught me that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> I mean, here are all these people not giving credit and acknowledgement for what they've learned from other people, and yeah. here we are trying to pass it to each other. Well, you know, uh,
0: that's something I notice in your writing is you always take some time to say where you got a recipe from or where you got an idea from, and there was a period where people I don't think were doing that as much, but I find that in the long run, in the long term, it makes the world a richer place for people to reach back in their writing. And, sh- and that allows it, it just allows for I, mean, I, I like to think of a like like a scholarship of a recipe or of a technique. And it just is so generous to say where something came from and also makes I think the writer look smarter saying, you know, that, that where they got it from. Don't you uh-huh. or no?
1: I love that you said that. That's the way you said it. It's so beautiful. Yeah, that's the kind of history I'm interested in. We all build on each other. I, mean, I If I try to think about something I really invented from scratch, I do have one thing. It's chocolate rolled fondant, which is now being produced commercially in Australia, but there was no such thing. It was plastique, which wasn't worth eating. But I didn't create fondant. I based that on a white fondant. So, yeah, I mean, there's nothing that people invent totally. So it's really interesting to see Where things come from, how they evolve, and how they change when the ingredients change or the technique changes.
0: What do you think? uh, I know I I can almost, I'm guessing what you're going to say, but like the current way that that people learn cooking, I was talking to somebody, you know, randomly, right? And they're like, oh, everyone just gets their information off of YouTube and TikTok now. Everyone can know everything. Mm. And I was like, oh my God.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, Everything has become much smaller, is all I can say. First of all, TikTok is great for quick tips, and I love tips. But for recipes, I wouldn't go there. I mean, the thing is that initially I thought that video was the way to go, and I did video and I had a PBS show. But the best way is really seeing it step-by-step, and only one of my books, Roses Baking Basics has step by step for every recipe, and even I like to look at those steps. And oh yeah, that's the way it's supposed to look like at that stage or at this stage. But if you're trying to do a video, you have to keep stopping it with your sticky fingers. You know, oh, I missed that part. You know what I mean?
0: Right. Well, yeah, and I also like what you said that you go back and look at your at your own stuff. And I think people. I mean, you've been writing books since 1981, right? Roughly since 1981, yes. and So when you've been doing something at a high level for a long time, it's like when you're cooking in a restaurant, like you get really good at a particular dish and your hands and your brain Mm -hmm. and everything is tied together. And then if you don't do it for five, 10 years, it's not that you've completely forgotten it, but it's not, you're not at the same place. And it's unreasonable to think that anybody could stay at the same place forever without doing it all the time. You know what I mean?
1: I've often thought of that because people say, well, it's your recipe. Why don't you remember it? After 13 books, and they're big books, I can't remember my recipes. Maybe some of them I do. But during COVID, I did so much cooking that I actually did remember a lot of things. What's more, it was kind of liberating because I didn't have to follow what I'd written. At one point, I said, well, it says blah, blah, blah. And I thought, wait a minute, it's me. I'm the one who can change it. I don't have to follow. You know. Although
0: you are very clear <laughs> that, and, and you know, this is something that anyone who writes recipes has to, has to worry about, at least make it once the way it's written. Just, just make it once, the way it's
1: written, please. That's exactly what I say. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and if you want to substitute, at least substitute just one ingredient, you'll really appreciate this, having had the same editor as I, Maria And uh, We were at uh, Macy's Augustus I was doing an event, and her husband, came, John, came along. And somebody stood up and asked the following question. Can you su- substitute something for the banana? And I said, "In the banana cake." And before I could say anything more, I be like why make the banana cake? John pipes up with, "Yeah, banana- watermelon." And it was just the perfect New York squelch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the first thing you learn, and that's perfect. The uh, the first thing you learn in basic science in high school, even in junior high school, is the variable. Don't do more than one variable at a time, because otherwise, you don't know what is creating the effect that you're getting.
0: Yeah, it really depresses me when I read... I don't
1: like that word substitute.
0: Yeah, when I read uh, mm-hmm. reviews of recipes and, like, either they hated it and they subbed out half the, res- uh, half the recipe or they loved it and they mm-hmm. subbed out half the recipe. I'm like, neither. Neither, please. You know what I mean? I, it's just... Somebody re-
1: Yeah, somebody just, <laughs> somebody just recently just wrote to me that, that uh, which of the co- are cookies in the cookie Bible are my favorite that aren't as sweet as other ones? I go, Oh, God. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing is that I don't like cookies that are too sweet. None of them is too sweet, except for meringues. And in order, like a macaron, I never like them because they're so sweet. But Thomas Keller came up with a wonderful concept of making mousseline buttercream as a kind of barrier with lemon, the lemon curd version of it, and the lemon curd in the center. So it really mitigates against all that sweetness. So what I came up with is an answer. First of all, the pepper cockers have a lot of spice. So you don't get a sense of... These are too sweet. But the ones that really aren't too sweet at all are the jumbles, because they have just a bare amount of dough enough to hold together all the nuts. And nuts aren't sweet. If anything, they're a little salty, which is nice. But it was hard to answer. At first, I thought, okay, I'm not answering. And my husband, Woody, said, well, you have to answer, you know, (laughs) because we answer everybody. And that's the benefit of having a blog, because every book has errors in it. I mean, here's a really interesting production error. One of my favorite recipes is the oatmeal cookies. And well, I had the, the volume is correct. I think it's one and a half cups. But the weight was 90 grams, and it was correct in the galleys. You're, you know, not everybody knows galleys is the first stage that they send out for advanced copies. And they're maddening. They're, so, they're
0: maddening. But, they're maddening. So much is wrong in a galley, and they don't want to change yeah. anything.
1: I know. We'll wait and see what happens. So then the hard copy and the PDF comes out, and the 90 grams becomes 52 grams. Nobody can figure out how or why. So you wring your hands. Yeah, but there is the benefit of having a blog where you can put erato, which we now have changed to corrections because people thought it was a porn thing. It's <laughs> not erotic. It's erato, which means, yeah. means error in Latin. Although I guess, I guess we sense. could combine yeah, them. We could,
0: we could do a com- combination of the two and something. <laughs> uh, so th- this reminds me of a funny story. I won't mm-hmm. call out the actual author, but Nastasia and I have a mutual friend who... When they did the the galleys, they put in the low res uh, images into the galleys. Okay, wait for it, Stas. You know what I'm going to say, right? I'm not going to say who it is, but uh, um, yeah, don't give away. I won't give away who it was. But then for the first printing, they actually printed it with the low res <laughs> JPEGs, so it looked like <laughs> like a, like a, a high school science report, circa like 1998. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Publishing oh, people. Publishing.
1: Yeah. I didn't see that one, and I get a lot of cookbooks. You could imagine. Yeah,
0: that yeah. was depressing. He, he. He. Oh, the other thing that. I mean, again, Stas, don't worry. I'm not going to say who it was, but like he is also extremely meticulous person. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know. I think it almost killed him. Anyway, uh, mm. I'm pretty sure it almost killed. Him. So. uh Interesting, interesting. But at least the recipes will still work. Yeah, 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 right. It's just people, yeah, no, no, no one will cool bake them part. because they're going to be like, why is it so
1: fuzzy? I'm not going to bake
0: that. It's too fuzzy. You know what I'm saying?
1: People are the worst. I mean, actually that, ha- actually, that happened in one of my books, too. I can't even remember which. I think it was the pastry Bible and not in the first printing, but somehow they came out fuzzy. And you know what happened with the cake Bible? Is that I was going to send it to Oprah. I did send it to Oprah Winfrey because she was considering getting married at that time. Offer to make her cake And I signed it And I opened it up Pretending I was Oprah, To see how she would feel And it was upside down Everything was upside down Oh (laughs) jeez So anything can happen In publishing Don't blame the author Always
0: Oh I know And then on Amazon If that happens They're like Book was printed upside down One star And you're like
1: Come on People Mm, People Exactly They make your book look Yeah Yeah People They can ruin you Yeah
0: (laughs) for no reason for no apparent reason uh, there was mm. a there was a book that i saw yeah like, yeah that had like the first printing was wrong and if you look at their amazon review the amazon review and then people don't buy the book because of the amazon review cuz no one reads to see why it has mm. a low amazon review i like to do that because i love to hate poorly done reviews like i love to go on amazon mm. Find mm-hmm. reviews that I find are made by execrable, execrable, stupid people and figure and like just like go to town on them. And my wife's like, Again, Dave, again with the reading the Amazon reviews. And I don't do it on my own because that wouldn't be too heartbreaking, but I do it like on other people's work. And it's just like, eh, eh. you know?
1: Oh, well, I've got to tell you the funniest one ever, awful one that I ever got was the woman who said she threw the cake Bible in the garbage and, the, and then she. Her moniker was Horse Lady, and I I couldn't resist. I wrote my comment back was If I were a horse, I sure wouldn't want you on my back. Yeah, I mean I couldn't help it. And they had of Amazon at Willie Morrow said Rose never put something negative, take it right off. Never respond in a negative way. But you know, sometimes I get I think my sense of humor gets the better of me. Mm-hmm. And of course, she she criticized me for being inappropriate. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You
0: okay. yeah, you 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 say that you throw like you know my work in the garbage and I can't say anything negative back doesn't make It is not smart to do though. Your, yeah. whoever your contact was, was correct in that. It's not in general, best not to engage. But on the other hand, I don't, you know, crap, crap on uh crap on that person, crap on horse lady. That's all I'm going to say. I don't know. Who yeah,
1: it is. but I have to tell you that somebody else who c- c- criticized me and told me I should cut my hair and have a mole removed on my face. And you know, I wrote to her, I mentioned that Nigella Lawson has even longer hair and that, you know that this is. I I just answered her in a nice way, and she turned out to be my greatest ally. Wow. Turns out she was in South America, and she loved my work. And you know, it's so it's true, it's a truism, but it really works that if you can respond with kindness, maybe you have a better chance of getting a good response back. But you'll never get a good response back with a negative.
0: Right? Why did she care about the length of your hair? Like, why was that even germane to like like your cookbook writing skills?
1: Because she thought as a baker that it wasn't appropriate to have hair that might get into the baking, but the problem is that if you have short hair, you can't see when it gets in the in the, in the batter, but if you have long ding. hair, it's very obvious. So yeah. it's almost an advantage. Yeah. Ding, ding, <laughs> ding, ding, yeah. Like, so people want to you know, look. They, they just want to criticize, but yeah. they have to find something to find fault with. Ain't that the truth? Some people, that
0: is. And nowadays, basically, mm-hmm. I feel it's even more hardcore because uh, it's much easier to criticize something than it is to than it is to like actually understand and say something constructive or nice. And so there's like, there's just so much criticism out there because it's just so much easier, you know, criticism is so much it's, easier. And
1: people enjoy reading that more too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, before mm. we talk more cookie, I have a lot of cookie to talk to in the next, uh, uh, in the next 24 minutes and 39 seconds. But, uh, I want to hear a little bit about this. So, you wrote for, you know, up until like 2002, 2003, 2004, right? So we're talking about you've already done Cake Bible. You've already done uh, Pastry Bible. You've already done or had almost finished at least uh, Bread Bible and, uh, and all by yourself. Not I mean, I'm not going to say no one's an island, but you know what I mean? Like not with a collaborator. And then all of a sudden you start corresponding with this guy, Woody Woolston, and becomes your collaborator. And now, after your, your husband passed in 2019, now you're married and collaborating. Like, what's that like? At, at, like, after you've already done so much work to have a collaborator with you, what what is that like?
1: I never would have expected that I could trust somebody on that level. And when I first met him, he baked wonderful cakes from the books. He actually brought two that he'd made, but he didn't really have the knowledge of baking the way I do. So he was totally trainable. It reminds me of when I went to study at Wilton cake decorating, and I never squeezed anything out of a pastry bag. And they said, this is great. You'll learn the Wilton way that you don't have to unlearn stuff. So over the years, he kept getting better and better. And what a miracle it is to have somebody who can actually help me do stuff and come up with things and have a different point of view, who excels at excel. i have a horror of the spreadsheet, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, he offers a lot of things that I wouldn't have. And I remember when I worked for Dr. Goodbody many years ago, that's Mary Goodbody's father. And she's one of the people, she and Chris Kimball started Cook's Magazine. And when I worked with him, he said, marriage is the double-barreled approach to life. And I'm not one who shoots guns, so I didn't know what he meant. (laughs) So I asked for a definition. And he said that you have a larger vision than just looking through your own personal one. So, Working with Woody now, I don't think I could do that revision for the Cake Bible. It's too massive if I didn't have him to work with. It's just the greatest gift to have this. And, of course, when we were about to finish, it was about to go to press, the Baking Basics, I think it was, or the ice cream book. or no, maybe it was the cooking book. Anyway, the point is that it was about to go to press, and they said, you cannot make a single other change or correction And I said, Woody, this is it. It's our last chance. And I wrote to the editor, well, I do have one more to make. And that's instead of saying to Woody, my assistant or my associate, I want to add, and now my husband. And I got the response back, wow. So that must be the cookie Bible because it's recent.
0: Wow. Well, congratulations. And
1: here's how it happened. I mean, I felt like we were married by then because before... My, my late husband died, well, Elliot, he said to each of us separately, Woody, you should move in and take care of Rose. So it was just like a, a blessing that he gave, and a very loving thing, too. So Woody one day said, could I have a wedding ring? Could I get a wedding ring? And I said, here is my Honda keychain key ring," <laughs> and it was a perfect fit. <laughs> wow. So you're, you're... And so the ring we designed for him is one like a... Key rings. I like
0: the original one. It's kind of sentimental. The Honda. Yeah. I've lost, uh, I, yeah. I, I don't take my, my wedding ring off when I, um, when I cook or when I do anything. And yet I've lost, one of them was crimped around my hand and had to be cut off. And one, <laughs> I lost a lot of weight and I lost it in the surf. Another, I lost literally milking a cow. So I'm like on my fourth ring. Isn't that weird? You should have it. You should just
1: have it tattooed on. I know yeah, somebody who does. That. That'd be easier. You know what? You know what I have now? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not into tattoos.
0: My brother, my brother-in-law Wiley, you know, Dufresne, chef. So he loves anything stainless. So he really? Tur- yeah. He turned me on to stainless steel rings. So my wedding ring now is stainless, very chef-friendly stainless ring. Yeah. I mean, obviously well, gold, gold. I have
1: one. a second one. I have my grandmother's. Well, mine is from 19—my grandmother's is from 1933. It's that circle of diamonds. And so I had one made to look like a key ring that's a, a circle of black diamonds. And then that ring finger, for some reason, started getting swollen, and I thought maybe black diamonds have a bad effect. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it's good for the body to wear things full-time I mean, without ever taking taking it off.
0: Yeah, I mean I don't know, stainless is well, so inert So far, like, I
1: haven't taken it
0: off. Yeah, I haven't lost this one yet. That's one. thinking stainless on
1: is brilliant. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, mm-hmm. and Where also Wiley
1: living lives.
0: Th- Wiley lives uh yeah. he lives in uh I what what's that neighborhood that's right to the right to the uh west of Union Square. Like right to the west and just, it's not Ch- Chelsea maybe? Because nah, It's kind of mm-hmm. below Chelsea. It's I don't know what the name of it
1: is. It's without name. It's not. Gra- <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not. not it's name. not
0: Gramercy. It's below Chelsea. It's like I don't know. He can walk to Union Square Green Market very of, quickly. Sort of
1: West Village, maybe. I've mean, I yeah. lived in that area almost yeah.
0: all my life. It's above. Anyway, that. I love Wiley. Please say hello to him. Yeah, for, uh, I will. And for, my for, best for those who for those who who know him personally, he lives in the house that he grew. He lives now in the apartment he grew up in. <laughs> they bought it from his mom. So wow. his, his mom decided to move up to. Uh, uh, Connecticut, uh, and uh, yeah, so they live in, in that apartment now, so... It's nice. Oh. It's nice, and my wife did the redesign for it, because my wife's an architect, so you know, keep keep it all in the family. Keep it all in the family. Really? Yeah. Uh, oh, it's
1: so nice getting to know you here. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we only met at two seconds, and I now we, we actually have a chance to exchange some real information other than cooking.
0: So, speaking of real information, <laughs> so one of the... So, your first book, by the way... Uh, the first book that you wrote was Romantic and Classic Cakes, right? And it was for the Great yeah, American Cookie was- School series, which I don't own. It's one of those weird series I don't own. Why don't I own that series? we got to have that on Classics in the Field at some point. Like, what do you think of that series?
1: Oh, Irina was amazing. She really gave me my dress rehearsal book of how to write a cookbook. In fact, I had submitted it single space. That was before computers are the way they are today. I think it was a word processor, and she had to pay somebody to retype the entire thing. We were all learning, and. I also learned to proofread without watching television at the same time, because it's one mistake. It was, I think the flour had to be three quarters of a cup, and I had made it one quarter of a cup. At least the, the volume, I mean, the volume wasn't correct, but the weight was correct. I think I had weights. I've always had weights. But, Arena, I remember when I went to, to De Deluca, and I said to Georgia with great pride, I have a cookbook coming out, and maybe you'll carry it here. And he said, what is it? And I said, it's part of the great American school cooking series and he said oh we don't carry series here (laughs) guess what they carried the series because it was so well done
0: yeah well and you know i find especially you know in the in this 60s 70s 80s and I don't know, I stopped following it after that, some of the best cook... Some of my favorite cookbooks are series, right? I mean, like, even if they're not really cookbooks, like Time Life series, everyone loves the Time Life series. Like, why would you oh, be anti-series? Oh, yes, I have
1: every one of those.
0: Yeah, yeah, because they're yeah, great.
1: He was kind of a snob, you know? Yeah. But I can't fault them totally because they started something that was really unique and wonderful. I lived two blocks away from Zena DeLuca. I knew when I went in there, my life would change, so... Yeah. Yeah. Well he got over it.
0: Your and your books have outlived Dina DeLuca, so there you have it. Good point. Yeah.
1: Not all of them. My two my two savory books tanked. Yeah. I think I asked Julia Child if I if she thought I could write a savory book if it would be accepted and she said it's very hard to cross that border. She said some people have done it, but it's not easy. And she was right. And people treasure those two books. This Melting Pot? I think you can get it for fifty cents on Amazon. Oh, and certainly Kitchen Arts and Letters You can get any book that's been remainder. Uh, they don't call the remainder that's not a nice word. But Melting Pot and Celebrations are the two
0: books. No, oh. no check them out, people. Check them out while they're still mm-hmm. cheap. We'll get all the people to uh, you know to, to buy them, and then they you know then they'll become mm-hmm. collectible uh but that series had some other
1: once you put something in print it's always there it's always out there for better or worse
0: well uh you know what i don't have a copy of and i feel a little bit bad when i found out one of the things that was in it and the pictures are on your blog your blog by the way is uh real baking with rose and you take questions in like month blocks and then answer them in month blocks is that how it works or in like two month blocks
1: no, we answer them within forty-eight hours. A couple more on book tour, oh, oh. and even then, we've been answering questions like that low sugar one.
0: Right, so you can an- you can ask you can ask questions and have them answered if you go to realbakingwithrose.com. dot com. So you you had your original. You
1: know, we do that out of generosity, but the thing is that it, it it benefits us too because we find out what things people need to know, what things people have a problem with. So it's a wonderful community of bakers, actually, all over the world. But where I had a million over a million a year, now it's down to so much less because everybody's doing the TikTok, the Reels, yeah. the Instagram, the Facebook, yeah. but we're still keeping it because it's worth it to have a way to reach people and to have people reach us.
0: So you did a, I saw this only on your, on your blog, but you did a cookie book, Christmas cookie book in, I don't know when, 91, 90, something like this. Mm-hmm. And in it, you yeah, do- Yeah, 91, you were good. You <laughs> do a, a gingerbread cathedral of Notre Dame and you have a picture of Yeah, in when that.
1: Notre Dame... Yeah. Yeah, well, the, an architect actually did the drawings of putting it together. And when Notre Dame was burning, and it's my favorite structure in the universe, <laughs> I actually posted that picture then.
0: Oh, that's... When, uh, yeah.
1: You know what inspired it? Is that in, in, in the first place is that the stained glass cookies. I thought, what a wonderful rose cathedral window it would be, you know. So I always thought I would do a cathedral with it, but I didn't even put it in the cookie bible. I don't mean Notre Dame. I mean the stained glass cookies because I've tried every conceivable candy and none of them melts without making holes in it. Huh. So. The only way you could do it is with isomalt, which I don't even use. It's a cake decorating kind of thing, yeah. where it's the sugar, and you can tint it. And if somebody was determined or wanted to enter a contest, and yet people have entered contests with using my recipe and my instructions. Without credit to me, I'm, or you don't get credit when you enter for a contest. And somebody even won a second-place ribbon someplace with it. I love when people are doing things, especially when kids use the book for, or any of my books, and win 4-H fair prizes, and their parents tell me that. And, you know, the thing is, when my editor said I should do a book for kids, I said, kids are doing a better job using my books than grown-ups because they follow directions. They don't think, oh, I know better, you know. But then I said, I'll do a book for kids, if you can give me step-by-step. I thought that would be the deal-breaker. I want step-by-step of every recipe. And she said, sure. Mm. (laughs) And that became Rose's Baking Basics.
0: Huh. Hmm funny how things happen. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of decorations on cookies, let's, uh, let me get to some of my questions because I haven't even asked any questions. I haven't, I haven't talked about Jack's backpack trip. I haven't done anything. I'm, I'm, I'm a bad man. But let's go, let's go, maybe I'll go in reverse. I'll go in reverse. On egg whites. You are very yeah. clear on egg whites that you like to crack them several days before you're going to whip them. Now, I always, I know about, uh, you know, not using hyper-fresh egg whites, right? And, you know, interesting about eggs, the longer they are around, the more alkaline the egg white be- becomes. But what's the advantage of cracking out the whites a couple of days ahead of time?
1: I don't think I say that for every time you whip egg whites. It's just for the macarons that are so sensitive to everything. Mm. And couple, I have learned a I of the A couple recipes oh, yeah? you do okay it. because yeah. well i'm gonna now have to check because with the macarons when i studied baking in at La notre and it was at the time not in paris but in plaisir and they said older egg whites are the best and you just leave them at room temperature for a week well i found out with macarons there's such a thing is too old an egg white and we're not talking about health issues here we're talking about how they perform so if they're too young and they're too viscous, it's harder to get as much. You know, but there's a big controversy about that because if you use, for example, a cold egg white, it will be more stable, but it won't whip as quickly or maybe as high, but it won't break down as much. And, of course, using a cream of tartar obviates the whole problem. And don't shoot me, but you, you said if I use my AirPod, I might blank out, and sure enough, I got the second warning, but I have a second AirPod, so don't give up on me because if it does suddenly... Stop, I'll just plug in the other one. Right, only for you. Only hearing. for you.
0: Only for you. All right, go ahead. <laughs> uh, the
1: airpods are so great. I mean they get such good quality. All right. So uh So that so did you want to know anything else about my feelings for egg whites? The biggest issue is not getting a single trace of oil or fat on it. And <clears throat> If you even get a spot of egg yolk, you can suck it up. It's like a vacuum using the shell; it will take it out. But if it's a big blotch, there's no getting rid of it, and it will never whip. With all the cream of tartar in the world, it won't whip.
0: Well, and you also are a, a so fan that's why of, uh, you have
1: to really rinse the glass.
0: You're a fan yeah. of uh, of the small bowl, white by white, then into the big bowl. That is the that is the I think the only way to do it. And the clean. Yeah, because clean I remember hand.
1: once making the uh Shenua, a cake with, yes a white cake was actually it was a, a wedding cake and so when i was on the 20th egg that's when the yolk broke and so that's it That's I have it. to follow the rules
0: that's it now you have to make some mm-hmm. sort of putrid egg white omelet with it some sort of horrible monstrosity uh
1: You want to hear something else about eggs? I love duck eggs, but the whites don't whip well. So when I'm using something like a lemon curd, I'll use the duck egg yolks. Oh, my God. They're so flavorful and the consistency is thicker. Yeah, try that. I even tried an ostrich egg because I was tired of separating all those eggs. (laughs) And I thought, let me see. You only have to do it once. We have it on our... I think it's on the Instagram and Facebook how we had Woody had to saw the egg in half. It's very hard to crack the ostrich egg, so he wanted to just drop it on the floor onto a a sheet pan. But I said, but then it may the yolk will break, and then we can't test it. So so we actually have all this written up. It was disappointing. I thought that will be the answer to having to crack all those eggs. But of course, commercial people, the commercial industry. You can buy the egg whites or the egg yolk separately. I think you can get egg whites in the supermarket, but you can't get the yolk.
0: Well, you actually said that uh, you don't mind whipping. Uh, you don't mind whipping box whites. You say they whip fine in your book.
1: Yes, yeah. because they have acidity added. But the eggs that are pasteurized in the shell—this is very interesting for people who are immune compromised and for things that don't actually cook the eggs completely—is that if you use pasteurized eggs in the shell, and you're using their egg whites, you have to use double the cream of tartar and whip longer, and it's more stable than any other egg white. Quite amazing. It took a while to, get, that. How to did, get to the bottom of that.
0: How did the ostrich egg whites whip?
1: You know, it was so disappointing, I can't even remember. Yeah. Yeah. I think that wasn't the test, but I can't remember what it was that we were trying to do saw so the egg yolk was so pale and I was yeah. expecting it. maybe it wasn't a free range ostrich. they're, they're also multiple yolks to go back to
0: so you still have to take more than one thing out because they're multiple yoked I mean yeah there's kind of they're kind of weird they're they're a weird thing really yeah mine
1: wasn't oh I know mine some people wasn't do. multiple but you know it was like it was a gift from Miro, it was Kokovic, who's the pastry chef at Gramercy Tavern. He knew that I was dying to try it. So when we, ha- we happened to go to the restaurant, and there was this box with a present, and it was an ostrich egg. So maybe it was a little old. That yeah. could have been long. Everyone
0: I know that has used them uses a Dremel with a cutoff wheel and then scores them with the Dremel all the way around and then washes the dust off before they crack. They're a pain, though. They are a pain. Uh, all right now, Really? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So hamantaschen, you solve the hamantaschen problem. For those of you that don't know what the hamantaschen problem is, the problem is, is that you either have to make <laughs> mm-hmm. a subpar dough or they spread out too much. So what's your solution?
1: Yeah, I used to think they were like knishes, and I didn't like them either. I wanted a delicate one, but the solution, which sounds laborious but it's so worth it because you have the best hamantaschen in the world, is that you make little circles of discs. Of preferably heavy-duty foil that can be reused. And then you shape them with using the foil so that the corners stay up rather than flattening into a flat disc. You know, I'm talking about the dough and the filling. It really works. Now, Is that clear the way I described it? Yeah, You, you definitely. put the dough on top and then you form it with a foil.
0: Yeah, but you, the foil then ends up like a tri-corner hat or something, right? To hold it?
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it unmolds perfectly, and then you just rinse off the foil for the next few. Yeah. Uh,
0: now, I gotta, I gotta ask your your madeleine recipe is based on your, a cake thing. It's not you. First of all, you say that your madeleines will last three days, and John's looking at me like like I've got three heads because you know everyone knows you're supposed to bake them, eat them, bake them, eat them, bake them, eat them. <laughs> And you can keep the dough, but you mm-hmm. bake them and then you eat them. But you have a recipe you swear will last three days after it's baked, but it also doesn't use brown butter. So why don't you tell me about the, the whole your whole take on the madeleines here?
1: I remember having them at Restaurant Danielle, and they you have to be a very special person or you don't get them at all. And when you get them, they just came out of the oven. And, yes, they get so stale and dry. So I have two solutions. One is to make chocolate ones and brush them with a syrup, and then they stay beautifully moist. And the other is not to use the classic Madeleine batter, but to use the and Toppy Seed, which is one of my favorite cookies. Can you hear me?
0: Yeah. I'm just listening. Yeah.
1: Oh, good. Because I I just want to make sure when when there's a silence that my AirPod hasn't decided to say goodbye, Rose. (laughs) Okay. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, is that what the answer you were looking for yeah, but, but I do love using brown butter in fact in the chocolate chip cookie not only do I brown the butter but I use the brown milk solids as immeasurably to the flavor of the cookie
0: right yeah I've read a couple of the clarified butter recipes that you have I can't remember which ones they are right you know when you clarify it, they go a little brown mm-hmm. what about people just subbing in ghee which has even more of that brown, brown milk solid flavor are you a fan or not a fan
1: well, I don't think ghee is as dark as I make it. No. I mean, my friend Shilpa, who is now the ed- editor of Food Art of Bon Appetit, um, when we went to dinner at her and Miro's house, she gave me a whole jar of ghee because she had flavored it with curry leaves. Mm. But it wasn't... I'm mean, in India. I don't find the ghee that... I never bought commercial ghee in this country, but I don't find ghee as dark.
0: Well, it's, yeah, it's darker than clarified butter, but yeah, not, but as, dark not sure. as dark as brown butter. It's like in between, you know what I mean? In between ratio. I did just lose you there. Well, but if you can hear me while you're getting the other Hello. AirPod in,
1: uh,
0: I have I have to get Hello? to the hi. One second, one uh,
1: second.
0: Uh oh, uh-oh. I got, Dave, you'll carry it for a second, won't you? I will, but I'm nervous. that I'm not going to get to the two Patreon comments oh. for for Rose. That uh, you know, I want her to hear very nice things people have said. So she'll come back on. She'll come back on in a second. While while we're waiting, Jack, backpack. What's up? Jack, Sorry, you... I was unmuting. Um, which, I'm here, I'm here. I'm which, which, so freeze-dried, takeaway, which freeze-dried was supreme?
1: None. Because here's the thing. We were like 12K elevation, and I did not realize that the water ratio on these packages would not be accurate. And so, you know, we followed all the instructions exactly, and, and everything was just really soupy and not good. So my question to you is why why is that? What what is it about the elevation
0: that changes? Uh-huh. I would have
1: guessed. Oh, this is so funny. Yeah. I just heard you say my question. Hello, can you hear yeah, me? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Hello. Oh, hi, yeah, we got you. We okay. Got you.
1: I missed the whole I missed the whole part before. Oh, I no, don't know why it took so long. To while you guess. were
0: while you were swapping out, I was yeah. asking Jack about freeze dried foods because he just went on a backpack trip and was trying a bunch of freeze dried foods at oh. altitude over twelve thousand feet and he said all the recipes came out very soupy. And I would have actually expected that they might not work right, but I would have expected actually the opposite because uh, water boils off so yeah. quickly at high uh, altitude that I would have guessed that you would have Absolutely. had to add more, more water. So that's kind of interesting. Should interesting. Some
1: Chinese MREs.
0: Unless it wasn't hydrating properly. I did a
1: class, huh. yeah, I did a that, class that for craft at high altitude.
0: Yeah, actually the, the cookie I mean, bible the cookie bible well,
1: bread works well.
0: Cookie Bible says go to the USDA. Gives a bunch of places to go uh, look for high altitude high altitude stuff.
1: Um you know, Susan Purdy wrote a book Pie in the Sky and she actually went to three different altitudes, almost had a divorce because she left her husband for so long to do it. I mean, this is noble. You have to, yeah. <laughs> to the bacon community. She wants to actually see how things work with different altitudes. Otherwise you can only speculate. They just can't know. It's like the proof is in the pudding. It was Cecily Brownstone of AP, who was my mentor, and she said, Rose, never be a typewriter cook. And as a typist, I thought, well, what's wrong with being a typewriter cook? I asked for a definition, and she said a typewriter cook is someone who thinks, okay, this will work. I don't have to test it. You always have to test it because you just never know.
0: So I want to read these things from our Patreon guests. Uh, This is from Will Robinson. Not a question, but if there's time to mention it, my bread journey started uh, with Rose. I read the bread Bible cover to cover in one sitting in the fall of 2013. I just met my wife and needed to be cooler. So I taught myself how to bake in two weeks when she was at a conference. So basically, RLB changed my life. That's from Will Robinson. Uh, And then uh, Chris Datt writes in. RLB was my entry into baking as a science. Her book is worn, stained and ganache smeared. Until then cooking was a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I was uh, n- and I'm not an intuitive cook. I didn't get it. She introduced me to cooking I could study, measure, reproduce reliably and be confident in my results. I am the cook I am today, a passionate amateur and love cooking because of the cake bible. In 2017 I was diagnosed as celiac, uh, a blessing for my health but devastating for my passion so now I- I'm a cook instead of a baker mm. but I'm learning to use precision, ingredient Knowledge and repeatable results as my guide. Thank you, RLB. Those are from our listeners. Uh, and oh,
1: those
0: are beautiful. Oh, thanks. And then, I mean, don't thank thank them. And then, uh, in the little time we have left, we <laughs> shared uh, an editor and a, a person for a while, Maria Guarnaschelli. You want to leave us with some Maria Guarnaschelli, some choice Maria Guarnaschelli uh, info on the way out.
1: Well, she was one of the most intelligent people I've ever known, but also, in her own opinion, one of the scariest. She said, Yes, I'm crazy. Everybody knows I'm crazy. And one day, I was at the Gramercy Tavern where they have the annual pie contest, and her daughter, who I knew from high school. And since she was in high school, uh, Alex Garnaschelli, she stood up and gave her opinion about five minutes without a single pause, a single um. And she said, oh, I don't want people to be afraid of me the way that they are of my mother. And I said, you're the most articulate person. When I listen to you speak and I I speak to you, I feel like I'm stuttering. And she said, really? Because that's how I feel about you. (laughs) So they say the apple didn't fall far from the tree. And she's also brilliant. But Her daughter, Maria's granddaughter, is maybe the smartest of all of them. I follow her on Instagram. I just love her. So Maria left me with a great deal. And without Maria, there wouldn't have been a cake Bible. And there wouldn't have been all these other books. How do you feel?
0: I mean, uh, I, I loved her and Nastasia also loved her. Nastasi I think, loved her especially because she did scare the crap out of me, like, uh, in a good way. You know what I mean? Like, and maybe, you know, now that she's gone is the reason I haven't come out with the second book so far. Who knows? Who can know? But she definitely was one of a kind. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, well, I was with some friends after Omnivore, Celia Sack, and Diane Jacob. And she said, they told me that one day they were sitting with a bunch of people, including Flo Breaker, who says, is not alive anymore? And each person had some bad story to tell. And they said, you're the only one who has kind word for Maria. Well, yes, there were only two moments where I let her have it because I'd been so, you know, appreciative of who she was, and she said, I'm I'm sick and tired, Rose, of me being the monster and you always being Pollyanna and saying the sweet things. Tell me what you really think. And I said, are you going to interrupt me if I do? Because that's what she would do. And she said, no, I'll listen. And I said, working with you is like being subjected to hazardous waste. Wow. Wow. She didn't know that was in me. I didn't know that was in me. But after something like 10 years of taking her verbal abuse, which you know she gave so much, but she also let you have it, even if you didn't deserve it. She was filled with anger. And, you know, that was everybody knows it about her. And she I think she believed that in order to be a genius, you had to be that way. I don't agree. She sure was a genius.
0: Yes, she was.
1: And there's a lot of love between us. Yeah.
0: We yeah. have been talking with Rose Levy-Barenbaum about her new book, The Cookie Bible, and a bunch of other things. Rose, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, maybe sometime you come on again.
1: I'd love to meet you in person. righty, Cooking issues. We should we should figure that out. All right. Okay. Thank you, guys, Nasty. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, Nasty. <laughs> I'm mispronouncing your name. Forgive me. <laughs> okay.